You're listening to And the Plot Thickens, an Authors on the Air Radio Network podcast. Join your host, suspense and horror writer Jeff Crawford, as he explores the art of creating tension and mood with authors from a wide variety of genres. Find out more about Jeff and his books at authorjeffcrawford.com. And now, meet today's author guest. Tonight's guest is not only one of the most talented writers working today, he is also an all-around good guy, a gentleman, and someone I am fortunate enough to call friend. His books fairly drip with tension, and he's here today to tell us a little of how he does what he does so very well. Please welcome from the Lone Star State, Mr. Revis Wortham. Jeff, honored to be here. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's been too long since we talked, and um, for this inaugural show, I, I, I can't imagine who I would have picked to be, to be the first aside from you. Well, you're very kind. Thank you so much. And I'm glad to be here. I, I love talking with folks. And I love to talk about writing. Isn't it, it's, it's, the older I get, the more fun it is to talk about writing than it is to actually write sometimes. <laughs> well, that's kind of like hunting, you know, hunting and fishing. Sometimes as you get older, sometimes you want to take people out and let them enjoy the outdoors. And you just kind of be the, be the guide for them. That's it. And, and that's what's going to happen today. You're going to be our guide to telling us a little bit about your particular knack for writing suspense and dark and edgy and tension. So we want to jump right in and, and, um, and have a, a, a pretty spirited conversation about this specific, um, fairly narrow topic. Um, Tension or suspense in almost any book is nearly always necessary in some form or another at some point. How do you personally approach those parts of your book so that the reader sits up a little straighter and grips your book a little bit tighter as they read your words? <laughs> wow. You know, that's kind of a hard question to, to answer. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of skip over the top of it like a rock on the surface of a pond, you know, that uh, because it, there's a lot of, a lot of things to discuss here, but Number one, there's no right or wrong way to create tension. That's one of the first things that I learned. Each author, each writer has their own way of telling a story and spinning a story. The number one keeps you interested. But number two uh, uh, racks up uh, a a feeling of suspense or dread. And that's what tension is. It's dread that that something is going to happen. You know, and and it varies in, in, in genres. If I'm writing a mystery... We don't know who the bad guy is. That's that's the beauty of a mystery. Uh, it, it's the, the journey to find who that uh, individual that uh, that individual is that, that's doing all the the bad deeds. And so, what our protagonist usually does is skip along, looking for the clues, looking to find out what's going on. And we see that in their uh, in their actions, in their dialogue, and in, in their locations. And sometimes our 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 protagonist might brush shoulders with with the with the antagonist. They might uh, find something that they don't understand that we will, as the as the as the reader would would see. That you know, it's, it's kind of like one of those things in the movies. Oh, for the love of God, don't open that door. We know something is behind it, but we have to open the door to find out what's back there. And that's right. that feeling of dread. How many times do you have, have any of us gotten up in the middle of the night and hear a, str- hear a strange sound and go through the house wondering where that sound came from and maybe open that door to look in that, that room, but what if something is in there? 
And what if someone is in there? So that's that's how it, it works in a mystery. In a thriller, and I write both. I write my Red River Mystery series set back in the 1960s. And I also write uh, contemporary thrillers, the Sunny Hawk series, for example, that, uh, that, that just wrapped up the four book series. They are contemporary Western series set down in uh, the Big Bend region of West Texas. And these are thrillers. We know who the bad guy is. But now, now our, our energy is amped up because we're after that guy. We, we're, we're rocketing toward a conclusion. Without We know who the bad guy is, but now we want to see how our protagonist will succeed and overcome everything that's thrown in his way. And that's what writers do. They throw obstacles in the way of their, their protagonists as they chase down the bad guys and try to find some resolution. I, yeah, you're right. And, and, and you brought up a great word a while ago that I never had. I've used it a few times, but I never had thought about it in connection with this subject. And that was dread. Um, and as you were talking, I was thinking there are so many things that I've built up in different books that I've done. And you can all go back to the root of dread. You know, and that was a that was a great point that you brought up. And I appreciate that. When you're, when you're talking about creating tension or discomfort, what is the best for you or the easiest for you or maybe just your favorite to try to get that across to somebody? Is it uh, the setting of where they're at? Is it a presentation of facts? Is it environment or is it just vagueness? If you don't ever show anything but the edges, what's, what's, uh, what's a good tool for you? Well, and, that, and you just listed all of them. It's the thing that you see out of the corner of your eye that you cannot identify. And it's the thing that worries you. If you're afraid of spiders, oh, for crying out loud, you know, we don't want spiders in there. We don't spy want spiders crawling on us. Uh, if it's snakes, the same way. You know, my second novel, Burrows, uh, it deals in, in a very claustrophobic environment. The two individuals, uh, my uh, uh, Ned Parker, who's a constable in the Northeast Texas, and his, uh, his friend, Deputy John Washington, they enter a house that is packed solid with refuse. It's, it's just a hoarder's dream, but it's a human nightmare. And the place is rife with tunnels and, and darkness and claustrophobia and, and snakes, rats, anything that would live inside of, of a, an abandoned house full of junk. And that preyed on everyone that read this book. I had people tell me, they loved every moment of it. It's their favorite book of my series. I've had other people tell me I just almost couldn't get through it because of the claustrophobia. My editor, I mean, I, and again, and, and this gets kind of to the creep factor here too. We're at, we're at a creep factor. Uh, you know, there are spiders in there. There's snakes. There, there, I mean, there's spiders and roaches and rats that live in, in this kind of refuge. Plus, plus my, uh, my antagonist who is a, a sociopath who lives in here and has a place booby trapped. But the one, one chapter that my, and this was it, my second book, one chapter that my editor asked me to take out, and today I wouldn't do it, but I was, a, I was a starting writer. I wouldn't do it. But today I would leave in the chapter where John Washington, who is a big, almost mythical character, six foot six uh, deputy sheriff built like Schwarzenegger. He's in this tight and close space and he encounters a boa constrictor or a python. It actually is what was, was living in there that was living on the rats in there. And he had, he and, uh, and uh, uh, Cody Parker had to fight that, uh, that snake in, in an enclosed area as it 
tightened up on John and was crushing the life out of him. That was a that was an intense scene, and and they said it was it was too much with everything else. Today I would say no, we're going to leave it in there because it amped up that <laughs> dread, it amped up that fear, and you know you sometimes your your antagonist doesn't have to be human in that one chapter in that one setting. It has it can be something else. It's not just it's not linear. It's not one bad guy, one good guy. It's it's the environment as you mentioned. It's the world around us that also intrudes and creates that suspense that we have to deal with. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Um, I did a I did a book not long ago where I made the antagonist as crazy, about as crazy as I knew how to write him, and it still wasn't as bothersome as the rats that were in the place where they were at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just the feeling of a rat running up beside you when you can't move and licking you decide whether he wanted to bite you or not. That would do more than, than drive you crazy than the, than anything the antagonist did in the entire book. So yeah, I agree with you completely. Yeah. And everyone has their fears and they also have, they, they also fear different kinds of people. You know, we don't realize or the, or the average person, does not realize that they probably brush shoulders with a sociopath at the very least once a week and maybe once a day you pass people on the highway that have done bad things and so your fear of who those people might be will also be a factor in what you're writing what or as a writer's basis for for, for an individual uh, my sunny hawk characters i have an i i have a, a, a horrific uh individual in there who kills people in 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 in, in Oh, just in a way that is hard to describe without getting into the detail of the book and here in this brief uh, brief interview. But this individual also is so warped that they bury the the victims uh, to dig them up later and to display the spines and skulls. And people say, "Well, where'd you get that? How'd you make that up?" And I said, "I didn't make it up. I I know some people that worked uh, south of the border in some of those letter uh, uh, companies." that have seen some of the cartel murders down there. And I took what I saw down there and used it in my books. You know, I had, a, I had an individual ask me at a, at a, at a uh, on, I was on a panel at the uh, at a conference down in Austin, Texas, Texas Book Festival. And after we finished our panel, I don't recall what it was about. The guy raised his hand and he said, aren't you afraid you're giving bad guys ideas when you close <laughs> in your books? I told him, I said, not at all. They, they come up with this stuff that I use. I don't make all of it up. You know, their own ideas, not me. I'm not going to influence them. <laughs> well, let me, <laughs> that's funny. Let me ask you this. Even though, by and large, you as a writer know what's coming on the next page, if you're doing your job correctly, do you feel the tension building the same way that the reader's going to feel it? That's a great question because Jeff, I don't, I don't know what's happening on the next page. I don't outline. I don't plan ahead. When I put my fingers on the keyboard and read what's coming up on the screen, it's as if you were writing it and it's coming up on my screen. So I don't plan for anything, any tension, anything that happens happens. Uh, and I don't like the word organically, but that's how it happens with, with what I'm writing. I write along. I follow the plot. It's, it's as if I'm watching television and I'm writing down or a movie or I'm writing down what I'm seeing. I see it all in my head. So I surprise myself sometimes. And I, and, and I have a lot of humor in my book. Sometimes I'll be laughing out loud. Uh, and my wife was, what are you laughing at? Something I wrote. She goes, you wrote it. Why is, how, how can it be funny? Well, 
it came up. It, it, I, it, just, it just caught me by surprise, as does the tension in, in my books. And toward the end of most of my books, and here's a little trick that I use, and I don't know a lot of people do it, uh, as the action amps up, as the, as the roller coaster reaches that crest and starts downward, my, sh- my chapters become shorter and shorter. It's flipped from scene to scene. And those short chapters build in your mind. And now you want to read the next chapter. Now you want to read the next chapter. Oh, I finished that one. Now I want to read that one. And if you're laying in bed at, at, at one o'clock in the morning and you've got you know, 10, 15 chapters left, they're going to go fast. And you're going to, you're going to get on that roller coaster and you're going to ride it out to the end. Yeah, yeah, you're you're exactly right. I wish I wished I, these interviews were set up to where I had like um, two and a half hours, but I don't. I don't. We've uh, they're intense. They're short. They're like your last chapters, um, and and I hope they're I hope they're just as memorable, and I think they will be. But before we get going, tell me a little bit about what you've got going and what you've got coming up as well. Um, is is not what you're writing, but as well as what you've got coming up from books that you've done before and where, how the reader can find you. Cause I know they're going to be interested in that. Oh yeah. You can, you can find me in, in any way. You can type in uh, my name, Revis, R-E-A-V-I-S, Wortham, W-O-R-T-H-A-M, and search in your search engine and, and my books will come up. I have, I have now 13 books uh, published. I have uh, my newest one, the Texas job just came out about three or four months ago and it's getting great reviews from uh, both professional reviewers and from, from readers. Uh, and it is set place in 1931 in uh, the, go- the oil fields of Northeast Texas as the oil boom exploded out there. Uh, and it, 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 it ramps up pretty quickly and winds up, uh, the climax winds up in Hot Springs, Arkansas, which most people don't realize Hot Springs in 1931 was the Las Vegas of this country. That's where all the gambling and, 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 and prostitution and, and, uh, and it was a hideout for, uh, uh, for, for criminals such as Al Capone who would go down there and, and spend his downtime uh, there in, in Hot Springs. So that one is out. My, my newest series, the Tucker Snow series, features a, a Texas stock agent and that first novel will be out in 2023 right now it's tentatively titled gravel but that might change and then i'm working on the second one as we speak plus a couple of westerns plus a standalone buddy book that takes place in 1971 so you know i I stay busy there's a lot of words flowing out of this computer but it's what i've always wanted to do fantastic i i I can't i can't think of anybody that i want to see writing four books at one time so i can get them all I, uh, I, I totally flipped out when I read The Rock Hole, and then Laying Bones just blew me away. Um, uh, all those Parkers, I just, uh, I, they, they seemed to me like people I knew, people I had grown up with, and uh, I just associated very well with those. But I got to tell you, the X-Ranger is the one that's close to me. I love that guy. Um um, but Revis, um, I can't thank you enough for being on here. Listeners, you've been listening to a very s- specific type conversation with a remarkable writer, Revis Wortham. It's been my pleasure to bring him and his thoughts to you today. And I truly hope, Revis, you'll come back and visit us again. All you need to do is give me a call, Jeff. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you, sir. I'm Jeff Crawford, and this has been The Plot Thickens. We are proudly part of the Authors on the Air Global Network. Find me on Instagram, Facebook, and at www.authorjeffcrawford.com. Hoping I'll see you right back here next time, which generally will be every other Wednesday. 
but because of some th things that had to be navigated in May, we will bring you another show next week. Until then, enjoy a good book. Let the author know you've read it, and thank you so much for tuning in. Good evening, Revis.